Well, yeah, that's basically my question is fuck the entire idea of having to download drivers for a keyboard. That's not a question, Riff. I'm Zach. I'm Riff. And I'm Kevin. It's time for episode number 150 of Video Games Hot Dog. Wow, is it seriously? Yeah. That's awesome. Special occasion. Yeah. We didn't prepare for it at all. Why are we so enthralled by round numbers? They're awesome. Yeah. They make you feel good. They're divisible by the number of fingers that you have. Mm -hmm. They're milestones. Okay. Milestones are actually cool. Like literal milestones. Like actual milestones? Yeah, you ever like seen one? rocks. I've never actually seen one that's like a stone. Haven't you ever seen the like geological survey, like metal thing embedded in a rock somewhere? Are those, are those called milestones? I don't think so. Okay. I don't know that there is a real thing called milestones. Have you ever played that French card game, Mile Bones? Meal, Mealborn? Uh, yeah. yeah. I uh, used to play the shitload out of that on the toilet on my Palm Pilot. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Why was your toilet on your Palm Pilot? That was easier. Palm toilet. Okay. Palm toilet. Good, guys. Uh, How you been? I traveled all the way from Phoenix to San Francisco. Just for just this podcast? Just show, yeah. I'm, head, I'm going back right after we're done, so <laughs> better make it worth worth the trip. Man, you escaped. That is, you don't want to come back here. What happened? Uh, it's the desert. Oh, you're What's just saying it the sucks there in general. Yes. <laughs> It was nice. I got here and it was all fucking raining. There, oh. at least I could go outside and have the sun on my brow. Great. <laughs> I will Just swap on your you, unibrow? I will, I will swap you rain for sun anytime. I love rain. Mm. You should move to the Pacific Northwest, Riff. But what about your brow? It's going to be sunless. Uh, You know, I wear a hat anyway, so it typically is. You know, you say you wear a hat, but the one time I saw you wear a hat was the only time I've ever seen you wear a hat. I, well, I saw him wearing a hat re- recently. Yes, re- the, it, I mean it's I I got that hat at Christmas, so the hat is a recent thing. Okay, so but you, but yet, even though it's only been since Christmas, you now identify yourself as a guy who wears a hat. You used to wear. Well, a hat. I am now a guy who wears a hat. <laughs> you you have lived in Arizona for almost ten years, I think, at this point. Yeah, and you did not wear a hat for most of that time. Three months out of ten years, and yet you're saying you're a guy that wears it. This is like me saying, I am a guy who exclusively eats Twix for lunch, because (laughs) that's what I had for lunch today. So, since this morning, that's true. I I think think we're just having different definitions about hat wearing. I mean, I wear a hat. I have a hat, and I wear it. Therefore, I'm a hat wearer. Do you consider your hair to be a hat? Uh, no, no. I mean, I, mean if, I guess if I put on a hat, I am not then wearing two hats. <laughs> okay. I guess if your leg was chopped off uh-huh. in a car accident I guess, well, or by a butcher. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You could then say, I'm a one-legged guy yes. and I wouldn't give you shit I, about I it. I am an amputee. Yeah, that, that would be true. That's weird. <clears throat> Earlier this morning, I was also making a uh, amputated leg analogy. <laughs> Okay, so it's just strange that we we both went there. What what uh, what rhetorical purpose was yours directed towards? Uh, was it making fun of Riff? No, it was <laughs> the. I was having a discussion with somebody who was bemoaning like the necessity to have like medications to feel normal, uh, and I was like, "Well, if would you 
bemoan having to have like an artificial leg if you had a like a missing like leg or whatever and they're like no i guess that that would be okay and i'm like well just think of it like that it's like a it's like a prosthetic i don't i don't bemoan booze the medication that i require in order to feel normal yeah i don't really need booze in order to feel normal so here's a question do you just you just never feel normal before 5 p.m (laughs) yeah that's why that's why i'm lying i see i'm exaggerating for for uh yeah i'm not even gonna say funny purposes comedic effect that's just depressing just depressing effect (laughs) depressing effect (laughs) unfunny purposes I drove a long way across the desert. Yeah? You know, it was uneventful. So I don't even know why I bring it up. Okay. I didn't stop at Coachella on the way, because I don't think it was happening. Did it's you, a, it's just a place, right? They just did Coachella twice this year. You say Coachella. Isn't it just Coachella? I think it, I always say Coachella. Okay. I mean, I get it could, like, Coachella, like, Ella yeah. Fitzgerald is the yeah. leader of our team. Yeah. Mm. Coachella. that. I was yeah. thinking more like Nutella, except sponsored by by that guy that was on Coach. Do you pronounce it Nutella or Nutella? So it's I, Craig, I Craig T. Nelson's Nutella. It's got a yes. it's got a umlaut, right? No, I don't think so. Maybe I think it might it might it might done have that. Okay. <laughs> Are you go having an umlaut? <laughs> So, uh, it's a rare, yes. uh, early in the day recording <clears throat> a video games hot dog. And you can tell because boy, were we not ready to start no, putting, not putting our voices on the, on the, on the stone tablet that is this digital recording. We meant to, we meant to take a short break and record, uh, after our previous podcast, but rock and session. roll stopped us. But then yeah, the loud, <laughs> the loud music as Bob Seger teaches us, rock and roll never forgets to interrupt our podcast. Yeah. So. Note to self, do not try to record on weekend evenings. When rock and roll's hard, as Huey Lewis teaches us, is still beating. I can't believe that they uh, were trying to rent this space as a residential location, because I think that people would go fucking nuts. Here. Oh, I don't think it's that big of a deal. You have not been here late evenings on the weekends, I'm guessing. I have. I'm just not a. I'm just not an asshole. Yep. I'm not a whiner. Okay. I'm not hey. a little baby. <laughs> <clears throat> I think if you were I'm, I'm kind to... of a dick, I, I'm kind of a mean, <laughs> I'm kind of a mean guy who is mean to dudes. If you were trying to get to sleep at like 10 p.m. because that's the time you go to bed now because you're old, I can just do that. I don't. There's always I can sleep through the broest bro party downstairs. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Huh. Okay. It just I just have weird dreams about bros and bro parties. You go to sleep with uh, headphones in. I do. So that, that probably mm, makes a difference. Okay. Mm-hmm. Plus, I'm real drunk. <laughs> Are you ever concerned about uh, the the cord getting wrapped around your neck mm, while you sleep? It happens all the time, and it's not a big deal. The cord literally gets wrapped around your neck? Sometimes, yeah. Like 180 degrees? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I 360 degrees? Wrapped. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> N- no, also not that. How about... 720 degrees. Okay, yeah, you're getting closer. Skate or die. <laughs> have we not done skate or die as an assignment? I don't think no. we have. Ah, oh, man, we need to. Put it on the list. We don't really need to. It's not that good, but I enjoyed it a lot when I was a kid. It had a It had like this weird thing that I don't know that I had really ever seen in a video game before where its menu screen 
it was kind of like Wing Commander. It was cool in the same way that Wing Commander was cool, where its menu was like a place that you were in, right? And so there was just different stuff you could do by clicking on different parts of like this old tattooed dude at the skate shop where you were looking in the window of, I guess it was a skateboard booth or maybe, uh, you know, maybe it was just zoomed in on the counter of the skate shop. Okay. But, you know, it was just like a menu that was a space and different things in that space were interactable to do. Different. I mean, it's super common in video games Is now, it but it's the first time I remember <laughs> seeing it. I don't know. I don't know if it is. It wasn't like trying to convince you that it was real. It was like a cartoon. Well, but it's it was an it's an analogy. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be trying to pr- be real. Like I don't it's think just... it's skeuomorphic. Be- I mean, because like, is every picture of everything skeuomorphic? Because it's trying. If it's to an con- interface. Is it? I don't know. I don't either. I love throwing around this word that I'm not 100% sure of the definition <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I of. guess if it was a picture of a sheet of paper on a table and there were different things written on the sheet of paper that you could click on, I would say that that was, that was a skeuomorph, a skeuomorphism. And so if it's a, if it's like a counter at a skate shop where you can Yeah, like to... you get a skeuomorphic dude. There's yeah. like a skeuomorphic ex-marine. If you, if you click his tattoo, he will say, Semper Fi or die. <clears throat> Because he's a marine, Zach and the Skewmorphs. I think you should you should make a new either band or troop of uh, crime fighters, or or a uh, uh, a series of uh, of monster related books for young readers. Okay, okay. <laughs> you just it's a product that turns into a different product. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Phew, I am glad that one of you saw where I was going there. Because <laughs> yeah. that was a little bit tortured. I never read any of those. Did you ever read any of those? They no, were kind of after uh-uh. they were after my time. Yeah, I was a little here. too old for goosebumps. I was a little too old for anamorphs. Although I do think that the uh the picture that gets posted on the internet every once in a while of Hank Hill anamorphing into a propane tank <laughs> is pretty funny. Um Have you guys been playing any video games that's the question that i have for you well in but uh in as a sort of a segue to that i did something that is related to video games but not actually a video game like what i uh guested on a few episodes of other game related podcasts with the uh, watch out for a Fireball few. guys i only knew about one yeah um i did let's see on uh, uh colin colin gary's uh show um abject suffering i was on or it i'm not sure i'm not sure uh words this is a fucking terrible story so far yeah this is this is the worst um no but it was awesome but my telling the story about it is proceeding to be the worst um i was on or will be on depending on your frame of reference depending Uh, on how fast you're going yeah <laughs> the episode of Abject Suffering about uh, samurai ghosts for the TurboGrafx 16, and I was. Were on, you familiar with that I'm game? On, I they warned me about it in advance, so I played some of it. Do you, do you happen to have a TurboGrafx 16 lying around? No, it's it was oh, so animated. you're a thief. I you're, I you're gonna you're going in for TurboGrafx 16 to life. <laughs> uh, if you can if you can find where the guys are that made that game, I'll send them a dollar. 
the age of consent in this state is TurboGrafx-16. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, I was on the uh, episode of Bonfire Side Chat about the uh, Dark Souls 2 zone called No Man's Wharf. And then a secondary episode that was us reading uh, listener mail about No Man's Wharf. No Man's Wharf or Nomad's Wharf? Or No Man is Wharf. Because uh, no, I, yeah. I think that's not true. <laughs> One, well, he's a Klingon. No Man is Wharf. Yeah, wharf no, is ma- a Klingon. no Man, not Nomads. Michael Dorn yeah. is Wharf. I mean, it might, is he Wharf? He plays Wharf. He, he dies. Plays he wharf. not he's is Wharf. wharf. On TV. <laughs> <clears throat> um. Okay. What, where is uh, man? I played like uh, one hour of Dark Souls two, and I have some what are going to prove to be very frustrating for our listeners and probably unpopular things to say about it later. But what uh, whereabouts in the game is No Man's Wharf? It's pretty early. Um, you can get to it. There's two ways. No, wait. I'm thinking of a different place. It, okay, it's early. Um, you get to it by um, the the one of the two. Initial places you can go is uh, uh, Hyde's Tower of Flame, and after beating that, you can get to No Man's Wharf. Hmm. Does the game sort of branch out in like sort of a weird binary tree? Is Hyde's Tower of kind Flame of. one of the first places you're supposed to go? Because I got my shit handed it's, to me there. It, and then it's one I... of the first places you can go. It's not the recommended first place you go. Is the first is the recommended first place you go? Where a place where there are some like, it's like a forest and there's some bandits. Yes. Okay. Uh, what's it? A uh, forest of the fallen giants. Yeah. Yes. Fallen giants don't seem like the kind of thing that are like a level one enemy, right? Uh, it will it will make more sense as you as you go along. I don't want to spoil anything for you. Oh, are the giants like actually a statue of a goblin? <laughs> are they no? Are they like a bunch of goblins all in a big Just stacked giant up. suit? Yeah, with like they're they've got a trench coat on a stack of them. <laughs> There's just a giant statue a of the letters S T A R T that has collapsed, <laughs> and that's like both why. Oh, I, I get why I didn't understand that this is where I was supposed to go first, and oh, now the name is clever. Right. <laughs> oh, it's F- fallen giant S. I thought this was just telling me where the tart was. Oh. <laughs> anyway. <sighs> So how how did that how did that episodes go? Uh, it, they went great. Uh, uh, Gary and Cole are awesome guys, and we had a great rapport, and it was really funny, and it was uh, it was it was a sweet thing. They're awesome dudes. It was a lot of fun, and I recommend that everybody uh, everybody listening should go on uh, duckfeed TV and and look and be up. a guest on their podcast. That's exactly what I well, thought you were going to recommend. I, like, I think that that's going to get overwhelming for them very quickly. No, but you can check out their show pages there and uh and keep an eye on on the abject suffering page and the bonfire side chat page to see when my episodes come out. I went over to that to website or other stuff and And there's way too many podcasts. There are they like do a lot of dozens and dozens of podcasts and I just can't handle that. <laughs> I think you're exaggerating a little bit there, Carl Sagan. <laughs> dozens and dozens. Yeah, I, I only listen to the ones that the two of them do together. There are a bunch of other ones that one or the other one of them does with other people. I like the level. They made a joke the other day 
that I thought was one of the finest video game jokes that I had ever heard, which was the their proposal that they make a like an NFL themed air combat game called Michael Vick's Dogfighting. <laughs> oh, that's really good. Wow. <laughs> Damn, how is that the first time that joke got made? It's the kind of joke that makes you ashamed of yourself. Want to drink? <laughs> I guess every joke is like that. If it was just NFL players instead of planes, but they were like flying around, <laughs> like <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage style. Yeah. <sighs> what have you been playing video games wise, Riff? Uh, let me see. I started. Uh... I started New Game Plus on Dark Souls 2, but we can talk about Dark Souls 2 when, when it's your turn. Um, I played... I thought you were done with Dark Souls and you were going to play like a ton of Diablo now that now that I, you finished Dark Souls. I skipped forward a little bit. I um, After I finished uh, Dark Souls, I, I, uh, I took a break from it and went and played through the new stuff in Diablo 3 and then went back to finish up Loose Ends. In, oh, I see. In uh, Dark Souls. Dark Souls, yeah. Yeah, well, you're just you're not sticking to your video game schedule here, and as your video game uh, project manager, <laughs> I'm disappointed. <laughs> what did you think of the Diablo three stuff? It, uh, you know, it's it's okay. I mean, it didn't it didn't entice me enough that I'm gonna play a ton of it, but the fact that it's on Mac and it's right there in my desktop hotbar means that I could see it happening that if I have an hour to kill and I can't think of anything else to do, I might pop that open and do a couple bounties. Uh, did you go through and do a cycle of them just to see what that stuff was like? I did one zones set of five. Yeah. Because <clears throat> I feel like when, when I got the expansion, I played through act five, right. which it's just kind of in one eye and out the other. Like, yeah. I don't... Like a laser beam? I remember the areas in Diablo 2 kind of having an identity, right? It's like I have this vague sense of like, all right, there were this sort of like gross dithered prairies in Act 1 with occasional interior cathedrals. And then there were deserts in Act 2 with occasional occasional like worm tunnels. And then there was... The fucking really jungles. fucking super annoyingly laid out jungles. Yeah. And so it was always just like running along rivers and you'd get somewhere and you'd be like, fuck, now I have to backtrack yep. through a million the whole yeah. thing. You killed all the enemies. So it's just running. And like, yep. there were a couple of waypoints that were just really fucking far away from other waypoints. Yeah. That was annoying. And I remember hell, you know, yeah. being weird and blasted. But like, I, I understand on some level that the art direction of Diablo 3 is a lot better. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot more to it, but I just don't care. Hmm. Did like, you care about Diablo 2? I didn't, I guess. But I mean, it, it, it at least like felt, they felt like different places because they were laid out really differently. And it's the, the level generation in Diablo 3, they might as well not be randomly generated levels. Hmm. Some I think them, in terms some of, of them are better than feel. others. I, I I really like the way the heaven area looks, and I really liked. It also has the, the sort of least the linear circular hell ones. Were the the cool. the linear the nonlinearity of the heaven stuff, where you can actually choose multiple paths yeah. and like find any all of the places that were like that are tend to be indoors and have 
branching pathways that you can then sort of sometimes loop back on it. Like that's that's way more interesting to me than the than the just vast open spaces oh, or the yeah, sort of linear. Definitely. Like that big battlefield is not nearly as interesting as the the tunnels underneath the keep in that same act. I just I the I I still remember coming out on top of the ramparts and seeing all the fighting and stuff going on and that was like that was really cool. Yeah, the ramparts I didn't, I didn't, were cool, yeah. I yeah. didn't like that stuff at all. Really? I don't really? Yeah, I mean I like for whatever reason <clears throat> that having it take place in an environment where there is something else going on is less satisfying to me because you you just know it's not real, right? You know that you could sit here for 18 hours and nothing is going to happen with that battle. And I would rather It'd be really just, funny like, if that's actually not true. But- I guess, I guess it would be, but like, yeah, I don't know. It just didn't do anything for me. And it was like, well, okay, so this is like, but these levels are game, just though, right? a line. It, it is, but I don't know why, I don't know why it bothers me so much. Like I like, I don't like that shit in World of Warcraft either. Like, I don't like areas of World of Warcraft where there is just constantly this war being waged between the Alliance and the Horde on some beachhead in whatever place the new expansion is Mm -hmm. taking place in. Because it's like, god damn it, just, like, I don't think that war is interesting to, like, hang out in. So (laughs) it's not like that's a cool set piece, right? Maybe I should be in a world of fucking around craft or something. World of explore craft. (laughs) But like, I'm just like, Jesus Christ, like, just get, let me leave here, go to some interesting or pretty country, mm-hmm. and then find like a fucking dungeon to go into that would, that would make some kind of sense for any of this shit to exist. Like, oh, we're here and we're just like destroying all of these thousands of year old ruins by riding fucking motorcycles over them. Like, you know, like, I, I, I want, to just go and explore environments and not not be constrained by being a part of some like epic historic battle that's going on that I do not give a fuck about at all. Hmm. So it's just a distraction. Did you play any of uh Mist online? I don't think that I discovered that until it was like in its death throes. Hmm. I think it it went out somewhere like available for free or they, they issued it like they, they patched it in such a way that you could play it single player and put it out somewhere that people can get to it. I don't know that environments are interesting enough without character to, I mean, to there hold my interest. Char- there can in be long characters. Term. It's just that like the instant that you, and not like a town where there's a bunch of dudes running around, you know, on little set schedules, like whatever that's, that's, so when you're wandering around Skyrim, like they have really beautiful, interesting, intricate environments, mm-hmm. but is that what's cool or is it the interactions that you have with the NPCs that you find compelling? What's not cool is the fucking set pieces. What's not cool is, oh, now I'm in heaven where I'm fighting some dragon, like it, like where there's this giant thing going on. Like, Did you not like being sucked into the soul shard? Like that was super rad. To me, I thought that was super cool, and that was that's like a little set piece, right? Like I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. The quest where you have to fight the wizard that's been living inside the in what s- game in Skyrim? Oh, I don't remember. Okay, I mean, <clears throat> it it doesn't matter if the entrance to a dungeon is 
a thing that happens like a one-time event or like like a conversation is not the kind of event that is off-putting to me in the same way Mm -hmm. but it's like the the tutorial of skyrim where there's all this shit going on in this town just like god damn it just just put me in the fucking world and let me go run around like Mm -hmm. oblivion i didn't like oblivion i like didn't like elder scrolls games for a long time because my first experience with it was playing oblivion just doing the main storyline and thinking wow this game kind of sucks I do not understand why people like this. And it wasn't until I started ignoring all of the, like, actual story shit that was going on in the world. Like, the stuff that has to happen without you. Did... Because it's a video game. Did you not have any encounters when you played Oblivion the first time that were, like, side quests? Or did you just end up ignoring side quests? You know, I found a couple things, and they're, like... If you just find, like, a cave, and there's just some vampires in there, and then there's, like, here's this vampire's desk... You know, and it didn't really it didn't really connect to anything. And and then I found another one and it was like, wow, that cave was literally exactly the same cave as the other one Hmm. Mm -hmm. that I found earlier. So I just sort of had bad luck with it. Okay, because Skyrim, like you could keep doing the the first quest, but you are just inundated with people. Yeah. If, If you are exploring around at all. Yeah. You're inundated with quests and things. People want you to do things. I mean, Skyrim is better about that because, it, like, Oblivion also gives you fast a lot travel. of fast travel destinations yeah. without yeah. you ever having to go there on your own. Plus, it gives Which, you that radar that straight up shows you, hey, something is interesting over in that direction. That's Skyrim good, does that too. That's that I that I like because yeah. it's like, oh, there's there is a thing over here that I haven't seen. Oh, are you Whereas saying Oblivion, Oblivion doesn't do that? In Skyrim no, Oblivion does, do, does that. do that. Oh, okay. Um. It's and I think it's actually more like weirdly systemic in Oblivion too, where you like there's a skill or a stat that you have that makes those oh, things really? show up from further away. Oh neat. Uh, I might be making that up. Um But the environments I, I'm trying to figure out what it is about the environments of Diablo three that just make them so irrelevant to my experience of they the game. Because they're, they're a lot, not there's a lot of work in, put into them. But Act Five very much felt like a couple extra tile sets. I don't know that they are as rewarding as bespoke content because they just the algorithms to make those generated levels are not interesting enough maybe is the is the problem right like every one of them is like a hallway rather than a diverticulum too right like Elder Scrolls games I I think you could randomly generate dungeons and spaces in an elder scrolls game you would just have to set up the generator and this is the thing that this is what i think about all the time when i think about generating environments is that like once you get to the end of something you should put something interesting there Mm -hmm. like there should be an enemy that's tougher than the other enemies that might have some treasure or there should be some treasure or there should be like a surprise at every dead end so that you you're encouraging the player to actually explore the space. I, I think that that compelling three-dimensional generated spaces are not it is not a trivial problem or else somebody would have made something that was just awesome with it, right? Cuz like and Diablo is even like basically 2D, right? Yeah, it not, doesn't it I mean it doesn't matter that it's there's three-dimensional right like well I, I mean i'm thinking in skyrim like there's there's definitely three-dimensionality to a lot of the dungeons that they they construct um but like because I, I think that there are compelling 
2D spaces, more or less. People have made generated dungeons that are okay, but I'm thinking like Eldritch, for example, as a as a generated 3D space, and it's kind of bullshit in some ways, right? I mean, Minecraft is a procedurally generated 3D space that is amazing. It sort though of. it's not there's nothing to do there really other yeah. than the things that you decide to do. And the, yeah, and it's it's infinite. And the, the things, the, the times when they do generate, like they make caves, and those caves are pretty cool, right? And the caves have this sort of built-in compelling mechanism where they expose things that were already yes. there in the environment, like because they just dig partway through the ground, and the cool stuff that you're looking for in the ground becomes more visible. But like, I don't like those abandoned mine track. Those things, those get to be kind of really because they're really confusingly laid out and yeah. they're not they're not designed to be interesting. They're just designed to be there. I think if they yeah, like I would definitely tune that down a little bit and have them be more straight shot things that occasionally connected caverns or something like. I would definitely tweak the I would have way more like jagged hills in Minecraft than planes or I whatever think, i think that is a thing that they're they're doing in the next release is, yeah they're allowing those world yeah. generation sliders to be real tweakable yeah um I, I mean, i'm not saying that you that it's that, easy but that said to make in in minecraft i think there is a you spend a lot of time wandering around with sort of boring environments and then there you find these really cool things sure you do but and you forget about the boring stuff and you remember all of the like oh, holy shit this is like a an awesome lava waterfall falling into an underground lake. Like, holy well, sure, crap, that's amazing. If if it was all the awesome things, they wouldn't be as spectacular. You sure. Need, you need the boring stuff as contrast. And maybe that's maybe that's Diablo's problem is everything is trying to be spectacular, mm. right? Sure. I also feel like there are some things like I don't think that Eldritch is proof that it's impossible no, to make. No, and I'm not it, saying right? it's or, impossible. I'm saying if, or it, was, even if it was easy that somebody would have done it. I think that like the stuff that I've seen that's that's like been done and been done quickly or whatever is kind of mediocre at this point. Well, sure. But I mean, so Eldritch was done very quickly. It was done by like one guy, as I understand yeah. it. And also he'd set up these constraints in the beginning where every level's a fucking cube. Yep. So like you're not going to be like, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's as easy as I think it is. And I don't think it's as hard as you think it is to do it right i just think that there hasn't been there hasn't been a lot of call yeah. for it huh i that's surprising because i feel like that we're at the point where you know you can just have all these crazy texture packs for 3d spaces and if you could just procedurally generate a bunch of awesome skyrim levels mm. basically I mean, people would eat that up i right? saw like I saw Jenny at one point playing with the the Fallout 3 level editing tools, and it definitely seems like that would be a thing that could be adapted to procedural generation because it was it was like libraries of discrete hunks of of structures like here's a tunnel that is a certain length and has a door at every end and here's a T intersection and you just link them together in a grid to make this level but it, is it, it possible like to make enough of that put an engine in that that would roll some dice and make those decisions for you but i like 
I don't know. There's got, there's probably some magic number of discrete chunks of content that when you start randomly connecting them, it, it feels new and interesting for a long time, but you start to notice the, the tiles of, Oh, well, here's another big room connected with a, you know, with an alcove. Sure. And, well, sure. I mean, you, you're you, going to, I mean, when you yeah, play Spelunky, yeah, you notice that, but that it's still, it's still fun. And the, because of the way that the mechanics interact with the environments, the environments are sufficiently different from playthrough to playthrough because of the challenges that they pose. Right. And so, I mean, it's, it is one thing to just say, like, like the binding of Isaac, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's not that many kinds of rooms. It doesn't really matter what's in the room, right? The rooms are just all these squares, but like there are enough variations on, okay, these are the kinds of enemies that are in here. And like right. the level becomes the thing that is generated and the overall contents and resources of the level, as opposed to any individual room where it falls out. And like, you can, you know, Spelunky does a lot of stuff, or at least it used to, um, in the game maker days where it'll say, all right, so this is a, this is a type of room you know, every level is like a four by four grid of these rooms. So this is a type of room with a left exit and a right exit. But then within that, it just has a thing that's like, all right, so here put one of a huge set of random like five by five block things that are possibilities for things to be floating in the air in this thing. And it is it's pretty easy for that to become a thing where you start getting surprised by it. You know, So I don't know. You know, it's, I think that if the, if there got to be an easy to use voxel engine that people could just start messing with, and there will be very soon, I think we're going to start to see a lot more of that kind of stuff once you can actually do that easily without having to build the thing from the ground up. Like once there's, like, because messing around with Minecraft level editors, like it just seems like. Have you done much of that, Riff? No, hardly any. It seems like it would just be really tough to mess with because they didn't really build it for that. Like, the data structures aren't made mm. for that. You know, whereas if there was something where it's like, all right, here's this engine, here's this API for, like, placing a block in the world at a specific set of coordinates, and then you could just write a JavaScript level generator for it, you know, copy this piece from here to here. Like, like once it gets easier for people to start messing with that kind of generation, I think it's going to, it's going to come out that like, Oh yeah, this is totally a thing that you can do. It's not, I don't think it's creating the spaces is the important thing. And I think like the Diablo three thing sort of proves that, right? Because these are these randomly generated spaces that look really nice, Mm -hmm. but the stuff that you're doing in them is just kill a thousand guys and then maybe at some point there will be a chest, but the chest is just as likely to be like in the middle of a hallway right when you walk into this level as it is. Okay, but the, but the parts that are that are really interesting in Diablo 3 are those little set encounters that you can encounter, you know, randomly on certain generated levels. And that's the stuff that I remember the most. Yeah, well, because that's and that's not ran- that's not the randomly generated stuff. And like, I know, that's but all- that's but this is just yet more evidence for my assertion that the random generation in Diablo three is not very good. It is it is not used effectively to create interesting experiences. Hmm. Like it is used so ineffectively that it might as well not be there. 
you might as well just have these levels and then be just the say, same all right, at this, and so, so then you know that if you go down this hallway, there's going to be one of 10 random events that happen in this hallway. And then they just do that. Hmm. I don't know. You know, the, the expansion stuff did seem to have more of that. There were in the sort of city tile set. I don't know if this was your experience too, Riff, but there were just a shitload of doors that you could go in. Oh yeah. Yeah. That would then have little one-off events. And I mean, I remember talking to you about act one of Diablo three where you constantly just like, oh, here's a glowing portal to a musty cellar or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you go down there and there's like four zombies and that's fucking it. It's like, wh- okay, why didn't you just let me kill those four zombies upstairs? Like, why <laughs> did you make me go into this thing? If there had just been a treasure chest with four gold in it, or if there was a, a 30% chance of there being a fucking book down there or anything, right? Like anything to differentiate it from the other environments in a sort of like a meaningful mechanical way. But the fact that it's a basement instead of a field next to the same house that the basement is under isn't interesting, right? If they don't differentiate it somehow. And I'm guessing they, that it's that it's also random what's in that basement. So sometimes you can just get you'll get a boring set of. Well, sure, but I mean, if you're placements. picking, you know, you just you're allowed to write a chart of random encounters that don't have any boring encounters on them. Right. Hmm. I wonder. I wonder how easy that is. Instead of gener- it, it get don't have boring options for it. Instead of instead of making a basement and putting something boring in it, don't put a basement there. <laughs> like, it's trivially easy to do. I think people will have different thresholds for what boring is, though. Okay, but. A basement that contains nothing but five monsters that are all fucking over the place outside the basement Mm -hmm. and has nothing to click on that couldn't be on the fen next door and no treasure chest, no treasure goblin, no nothing. You just go down there and it is just a little room in the outdoors in, in with fairness, three of the exact kind of enemies in it. I think that's pretty rare. Uh, as far yeah, as I, I remember, remember yeah, almost almost all of those cellars had, had some something sort of in them. Yeah, that like, my I experience has been the him. entire opposite. Even recently playing it, like, I'm really? like there's one of those basements. I'm going to see if Kevin and Riff are right. I'm going to go down in this basement and see if there's anything down there. Nope. Huh. Fucking nothing. Like, every time. Weird. Yeah, that, that does not jibe with my recollections but it's been a year since maybe their generator is somehow based on some sort of player id and (laughs) i just get shitty basement mode all the time but yeah act five it's more more diablo yeah basically more diablo it was kind of funny um reading the patch notes they they had a list of they went for every class they wrote, okay, here's our view of what this class should be like, and here's how it works. Here's all the adjustments we've made to this class's skills and everything to put that more in line with what we wanted. And when it got to the the one for the monk, which is the class I played, it it said, eh, nothing's wrong with the monk. We didn't make any changes. <laughs> I was like, oh, sweet, vindicated. <laughs> what was your new skill? Um... You know, I don't remember. I, uh, I I pretty much kept going with the stuff that I'd been using. I largely did, too, with the Barbarian. He gets, like, an Avalanche, which is a short-range AoE. Although I switched into Elective Mode and had a lot more fun. I had sort of forgotten mode? that was a thing, where you can just put any skill in any slot. 
Hmm. Hmm. instead of being limited to like one. So it's like what I ended up, what I ended up doing with my wizard when I was playing was like, all right, I just want to only have one thing that I click to kill dudes and everything else is just buffs. So I've just have like basically a bunch of passive things like, cause you have, you can only have one armor and only one familiar at the same time or whatever. But like you have these other things that you can cast on yourself that you normally wouldn't be able to do at the same time as something if you weren't in that mode where any skills work. And so I'm sure it's not optimal, hmm. but it's totally OP from my perspective, from my P. What else you play, Riff? Just uh, more Dark Souls? Uh, I played a little bit of uh, Fract OST. Oh, is, oh, that, yeah. is that out? Yeah. yeah, it came out this past week. Mm-hmm. We saw we saw that at a GDC or something, yeah. didn't we? Like a year or two ago. Yeah, What's I it remember like, playing a demo of it ages ago. It's interesting. Uh, it's it's uh, sort of uh, sort of like a Tronish version of Mist, where all the puzzles are musical, music related. Yeah, like you're doing like a like a pipe dream puzzle, say, except the nodes in the pipe dream also are making sounds as though they were nodes in a sequencer. And so I was going to say, you're kind of, it's kind of like you're inside a, a sequencer. Yeah. Sort of. And as, and as universe. you're solving sections of, of, you know, so like as you're activating these various generators, what you are doing is creating the beats that, that will be chained together when you get to the meta puzzle in, in the next bit. And, and the bits there, there's a bunch of puzzles that, um, where the, the solutions to them are not completely strict. There's like some, uh, there's some wiggle room for like, for putting your own variations into it. And then when you get to the metal meta puzzle that encompasses those, it's, it's using like your sounds that you created. So it's, yeah. So you're building this larger thing out of these bricks that you customized yourself. Uh, musically speaking, it's pretty mm-hmm. interesting. It's, that sounds great. Yeah. It, yeah. No, I'm super excited. The navigation is kind of confusing because the bits that are not like discrete generator rooms and, and things like that are sort of like, uh, like sort of Tronish caverns. And I find it easy to get lost because the, they're not very distinguishable from each other, but there are frequently placed, uh, teleport chambers that that let you move around the map pretty easily so it's not too bad are the spaces at least sensible are they do they fit together in a way that they could fit together if they were real spaces yes, it's not like yeah, it's not like anti-chamber no yeah it, it doesn't seem to be like fourth dimensional or anything like that well cool yeah so that's pretty cool and i also played um uh hitman go okay have you guys looked at that at all yeah I I've, forgot. I didn't write it down. I didn't write down any of the video games that I played. That's a you're bad at notes. I, know. <laughs> it's I saw a good. lot of screenshots of it. It it's, looks cool. Yeah, it's really pretty. I love the the interface and the just I don't know the sort of diorama board gameishness of it. And it's interesting that they took the Hitman franchise and made turned, a puzzle game. Yeah, out of it. turned it into a real straight up logic puzzle game without. Without really changing any of the, uh, 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 any of the the source fiction or whatever, you, right? You know, I wonder if it's selling well. I, I like it when a game that is that simple is also popular and successful. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people talking about it, but I don't know how that yeah, translates into yeah. 
money. I mean, it's like a $5 game, too, so a lot of people talking about it means five times a lot mm. is the amount of money that they made. They are, it, they, um, it is so, uh, like the in-app purchase stuff in it is practically invisible. I, it's like huge respect for the way they did did their in-app purchases. Like you don't even it's you don't even see yeah, the fact you don't that you're even, spending a bunch of money. No, well, you don't even see that they're offering to let you spend a bunch of money unless you go looking for it. Like for example, you've got um, the the level pack packs are like you know you've got uh, your your starter area which. Um, has I, I think it was like 14 discrete puzzles in it and each puzzle you can earn up to three stars for doing different objectives and then the next level pack it's got the thing on it that says unlocks when you have gotten uh say 30 stars from the mm-hmm. from the previous set and when you when you're looking at the level select you know you see that and it says like you know 18 out of 30 or whatever and but you can tap that where it says that and it will then pop up a thing that says or if you want you can pay us a dollar but unless you tap that trying to open it before you're not, you're not having confronted unlo- with yeah, the you're dollar yeah you're not you're never confronted with it. it it doesn't it doesn't at all tell you that that's even an option unless you go looking it's got a really nice interface minimalism like yeah the title screen just says Hitman Go, and you sort of are trying to figure out what the fuck, and then you just tap the go mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that's in a black circle, which then teaches you, oh, the way that you do everything in this game is by tapping black circles. Yep. Like, it's like, oh, that was really clever. I wonder how many iterations they went through before they arrived at something that people could figure out. And on the uh, the the sort of overmaps where, where you're choosing which puzzle you're going to solve it's sort of like a zoomed out diorama of the the individual maps that the puzzles are and the puzzles that introduce new items have that item on the overworld map so like you can see if if this puzzle has a kind of guard that you haven't seen before on the overworld map, you know that that's the puzzle that introduces that kind of guard to you and things like that. Hmm. Yeah, it's really well made. It's a lot of fun. And it's got enough content in it that it, it looks to be uh, to last for a long time. Like, I've only started the the second level pack, and I think there's like five of them. Pretty good. Yep. Uh, that it? Yeah, I think that's about it. What about you, Kevin? Um, I played uh, this morning. I played a bunch of Wayward Souls, which is uh, the new game by the Rocket Cat Games folk or person. Um, is there just one person? I don't know. I, I have no idea how many people are involved, actually, now that I say that. Um, they made uh, Mage Gauntlet, which was sort of a an awesome retro... RPG game. Um, oh, Wayward Souls. I downloaded that, but I haven't played it yet. Yeah, it's... Uh, so it is basically Mage Gauntlet again, but you get to pick character class and you get to traverse these uh, procedurally generated three, uh, 2D spaces. Um, and it's it's just hard to... 
it's a hard game to play uh, because of the like touchscreen controls, right? Because while Mage Gauntlet had some of the best sort of like intuitive D-pad type controls, f- dealing with actual facing and stuff was really still tricky. Hmm. Like it's tough to like dash real quick over to the right and then just turn around so that you can then hit somebody from behind or whatever. Um, and so I'm I am really actually looking forward to this game coming out on PC where I'll have more discrete control over my character. Um, I'm just not as excited about the sort of floaty uh, touchscreen controls that this requires. Um, But I really... Is it the sort of touchscreen control where you tap where you want the character to go? No, this is like a... It's a D-pad. It's a virtual Mm D-pad that... uh, But they do it well. Like, it's not like it... You don't have to touch the screen in any particular place. It's just you, you... push somewhere and then you sort of like it feels it just feels very natural okay um so i i feel like they have the sort of the best implementation of that that i've seen but it's still just not quite right like it's just not the same as as an actual set of buttons um and they they introduced a couple of additional controls um for a couple of the character classes where you normally you would just you know hit anywhere on the right hand side of the screen and that would be your attack but now there's like a swipe up and a swipe down to do a couple of other different kinds of things um that use consumable resources do not all of the characters have that they're they're all a little different um some of them like the rogue just dashes so like the fighter has a a shield if you swipe down and uh like a throwing axe if you swipe up and all of these are upgradable actions which is also a little different. Um, There's not really a lot of character permanence. You get you get in between levels. You can sort of spend money like increasing your critical hit chance and like yeah. you know reducing your mana consumption and stuff. But it's all real sort of boring passive skill kind of stuff. It has a pretty significant impact on gameplay though. So it's while it's while it is sort of boring number stuff. It it does definitely you you notice when you start upgrading those yeah, things. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's just not it's not like new verbs or anything. Like the new verbs are all yeah, the, they're all things that you get in the course of a single play session. Like Which up- makes it different every time, which is interesting. Right? Right. You find the, you find like these forges yeah. and then it'll say, "All right, this is a forge for upgrading your shield. So do you want this kind of shield or this other kind of shield?" And then it just Yeah, shields are hard to use. Like you basically you swipe down and then you put your shield in front of you and you can still move around um and your your movement is slow depending on how heavy your shield is. But then, if you want to attack, that you're 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 immediately out of shield stance, and it doesn't go back into shield stance after your attack. So you're like you're having to tap and then slide down if you want to re-engage the shield. It, it's just it's tricky. Like it suffers from it suffers from having to deal with everything via touch control. I think um, the level generation suffers a little bit from the Diablo problem, where there's a often these the corridors. Diablo the Diablo room um, where there's often these corridors where you get to the end and there's just nothing there. Um, I've had like, there's, there was one forge room, which had two secret doors in and out of it, but there was also just a regular entrance on the side <laughs> and they all, they all connected to the same sort of corridor, which went all the way around it. Like how do the secret doors work? They're just, they're different sorts of panels and you can break through them. Like, the they are not so by secret do you mean just not uh 
Like, <laughs> what do you it's mean? like a door, except you have to knock down that section of the wall if you want to go through it. Well, so it's a section of wall which doesn't necessarily look like it's anything special, and you break through it. Okay. Right. So does that mean that you just have to go everywhere and stab every wall? To no, they're, they're, they're visually distinct enough if you're paying attention, basically. So that's that is always the kind of the kind of thing I like. They did that in uh uh well, they did it in a bunch of the Final Fantasy games, but uh the game I'm the more recent game I'm trying to think of is what was that one? It was like the the 3D game that was like a throwback to the old wizardries and stuff. Um The Legend of Grimrock? Yeah, yeah. Where if you were paying attention, you could tell by the textures that that this was a wall you could go through. Or like in old cartoons, uh, you could tell that an object was going to oh, yeah, yeah. be movable because it was a slightly different shade of coloring or something. <laughs> oh, against the painted yeah. background. Yeah. Okay. You could tell that an object was going to turn out to have just been a tunnel painted on the right. side of a cliff. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I enjoy that. I definitely am looking forward to playing that some more. Um, I have fought the first boss like half a dozen times already and just gotten my ass handed to me each time so i don't know i don't know if i'm just super bad at the game or if that boss is tuned really hard or if i need to get more power-ups supposed to die a bunch and level up yeah no idea um and then i played a just a flash game on congregate called red warrior um it's like a little puzzle platformer where you're a you're like a little blocky ninja and you are jumping around these levels trying to collect coins and stars. Um, the, so it's a video game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have the, the sort of ability to flip the world along one axis. It's either up or down or right or left, depending on how the level is designed. Um, and, and you stay in the same place. You stay in the same place. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And, and then occasion, like after a while, they start having levels where certain parts of the level don't flip. Like they're sort of in violet. They have a um, green glow around them. They're not green glow, but they're like, they've got little, it's like rocks with runes on them and stuff. Um, good level design and fun. It's, you know, like I have not gone back and played a bunch of flash games lately. Um, but I, other than wayward souls, I hadn't played anything this week. So I wanted to make sure to have something to talk about. So that's it. That's all I did. Mm-hmm. How about you, Zach? Man, you know what I didn't tell you about last week because you had a lot of uh, work to do was the existence of Creeper World I Three. Saw which you playing it apparently on Steam. Came, and I was every time I went to play it, I was like, "Fuck, is Kevin online?" I, no, hope I, Kevin's I saw not you online. playing it a bunch, and I was like, "You know what? Yeah. I'm just not going to do this." While Good. I was working it came out stuff. in October. What? I don't understand how it is that we didn't find out about Creeper World 3. We are like the biggest advocates for this game in the entire world. How do we not know? So I think I saw it. I just randomly on some forum thread about some other game somewhere. It said, oh, I'm too busy playing Creeper World 3 to get into them. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Just went and bought it right away. It's real good. Is it? Yeah. More like one or two? Uh, Both. Oh. It is top down like one, but it has the anti creeper stuff from two. Interesting. Uh, so it's for those of you who haven't played Creeper World, creeper World or Creeper World, which 2, is a kind of a niche game. Yeah, so it, it really is, it. but it's so satisfying. Yeah, it's good. It's uh, it's it's like a real time strategy game, um, okay. where your enemy is this kind of cellular automata liquid that's overcoming 
regions and you're trying to sort of beat it into control. It is. It's like filling up. It's like slowly filling up from basins. Like emitters. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of new mechanics in it. There okay. are a lot of new kinds of, you can like build these aircraft that will either work as like strafers, which just sort of start firing guns along a, a path that you specify or bombers that will drop anti-creeper liquid in. There are shield emitters that will push back against. Like they're they also s- moving they're, Well, they're like all of your dudes. They're like they're You can move them, Uh-oh. but they're not they're not autonomous like the airplanes. I see. There is there is a kind of airplane that just gathers up energy and then you can park it and it will distribute that energy. Hmm. So you can sort of like set up a beachhead by flying a shield over with one of those guppies is what they're called to power the shield. So then you've got a little bit of space to go and land some oh. guns and then get another guppy set up so they can automatically trade back and forth. Like it's it's a lot of the levels are really there is a part of me that enjoys that, like just spending a bunch of time chipping away at a thing real gradually. And then there's a part of me that gets real angry when something unexpected happens that fucks that all up. The like the waves of, yeah, just like something happens to creep in and take out one critical part of your network that then just collapses into you being completely fucked. Yeah. Um, it has a bunch of save slots. Like there's like five or six save slots for each level now, which oh, wow. is nice. Um, but I've gotten to a, I've gotten to a part that's so hard. They just start doing all these, they start doing all these weird things. There's way more of the like, it seems like there's fewer levels, but the levels are more differentiated. Okay. Um, no, no, no. It's real good. Cool. It's totally worth it. If you like that kind of thing. Um, there's a lot of videos online of people's different solutions to things. So mm. if you want to know how it plays, you can watch it. And it's like every level takes about a half hour. If if one of your favorite so. things is like the base building part of an RTS, yeah. then this is very much up your alley. Yep, it is. It's like an RTS where you don't deploy any. It is like it is a lot like that game that was on Congregate called The Space Game. Yeah. Which a lot like that. is totally worth checking out if you're into into the defensive and base building aspects of RTS. It's hard to find because it's just called the space game. Right. Um, and there might have been two of them. That was one where you found sort of a degenerate strategy to beat the most of the whole game. I forget I, what it was. And I, you didn't tell me what it was until I got really frustrated. And then I was able to beat the rest of the game once you told me what you had done. Do you remember what it was? No. I remember build a bunch of fighters first or something. Yeah, I remember so little about how that game actually worked. Because it, I think you were actually building things that would then just autonomously deploy fighters. Um, Now I should go back to that because I've forgotten enough about it that it will be fun and interesting to play through again. Eventually we'll get to a saturation point of video games where we have enough games that we can just play them in a loop and we'll have forgotten the, (laughs) the one that we played just in time to play it again, and then we don't need anything new. And that'll be true even if we're only limiting ourselves to the 10% of games that are most perfectly aligned to what we enjoy. Exactly. Yeah. I also played eh, maybe an hour of a game called Broforce, because I heard some things about it on some other podcasts. Tell me about this. It is a platformer. Uh, It is a a pixel art platformer. Yeah. Not precisely metal geary it's like halfway between super crate box and metal gear okay it has 
designed environments. I don't think that they're randomized at all. And the enemies are designed and there's not a super lot of them, but you, you are like just a very, very non-obfuscated parody of an action hero. Like I forget who you start as, but like the first time you find a cage with another bro in it, it's like, you know, basically like Chuck Norris from Walker, Texas Ranger unlocked, except it's a joke about him with the word bro in it somewhere. This is right up your alley recently, Riff. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, but then every time you find a crate in the world, like a cage with a bro in it, it is either a new bro is unlocked, a new character type is unlocked, or you become that guy hmm. that you've unlocked. You don't know who it is, like the guy that you've let out, and you just have an extra man. And every time you respawn, you're like a random guy. So it's a little frustrating if you're like chugging along with a guy that you like and then you either get killed or you find a dude to rescue and then suddenly you're just a different guy. Like there is a MacGyver guy whose weapon is just fucking throwing dynamite. And so it just sucks in almost every situation. Like there are some things that he's the perfect dude for, but like it's super frustrating to just like, ah, God damn it. Now I'm that guy or your blade (laughs) who I think might be called Brode. Uh, So all you have is a melee attack. And so it's a fuck. Huh. Um, but it's the the levels are. It's funny that there's a Ben Brode who works for. Blizzard. Yeah, I wonder if he's played that game. He should. There's like, it kind of goes on and on. Like I wasn't really sure if you. I mean, it's a video game on a computer, right? It's like right. a computer game. Yeah. So it's structured like an arcade game, but you don't have to like pay to keep playing so it's sort of weird that there would be a game that's like oh it was just like 30 jungle levels that use this tile set and get slowly harder the platforming is good because it's real forgiving like the all of the environments are destructible and so they have to be pretty friendly about letting you wall jump and stuff like anybody can just sort of cling to a wall Hmm. you'll just like plunge a knife into the wall and hang from the knife (laughs) um and so it's it's easy to get around even if you have inadvertently or deliberately just blown the shit out of all of the terrain. Um, and it's also like, oh, I can see a cage, but it's I'd have to climb down all these ladders with all these dudes. Or I could just shoot through the wall on this side of the cage and go in there and maybe become a better guy for than just blasting my way out the other side and ignoring the enemies. Um, it was fun. It was I was not I was not expecting it to be any good based on the name of it. But then. uh it was, I just heard it described on a couple other podcasts and I was like, wow, that actually sounds like a thing I would enjoy. And I was right. I did. They were right. I did. It's now though, I'm just going to sit on it until I hear about it being updated, I think. Cause it's like, I sort of get it. Oh, is it like early access? Yeah. It's an early access game. Okay. I see. I probably should have qualified that. Uh, let's see. I played. I po- speaking of early access, I popped back into uh, Seven Days to Die for a minute, which it's like Daisy slash Minecraft kind of. It's like a it's like a multiplayer zombie survival crafting game. So it's got very very Minecrafty crafting. Like Rust, maybe. I don't know. I haven't played Rust. Okay. It's it's voxely. It's not. It is not. EverQuest landmark levels of 
voxel squishiness. Okay. Like EverQuest Landmark is a voxel world, but the voxels can be so many different shapes that it's effectively not really a voxel world. Okay. Um, and you can do a lot of weird sculpting with it and make a lot of weird things. But anyway, this is, this is sort of like that. Like if the, if the, there's a, this is a voxel of rock, it just looks like a rock. All right. And you chisel it out. And then when you place it, it's like concrete. Maybe when you build stuff, it's mm. more cubes, but, um, you're walking along and it's like, oh, this is just a house. Like this looks like a house. Right. And then you, you, you know, you chop out a piece of a door frame and then you just have a block of wood, which then if you put it by a wall, it's a wall. It's, uh, you know, there's not a lot of reason to build a lot of structures. I don't think, uh, because you'll just run out of food if you hole up and you're better off just like going and finding a house and board, like, you know, putting bricks, like just turning the door into a wall. Uh, if you want to get away from zombies, but I am um, in this one. I found a car garage. So I found a guy. It, there was a purse on the ground and I opened the purse and inside the purse, there was a sniper rifle <laughs> and some bullets. And then I was like, okay, okay. that's weird. Then I, oh, all right, sniper rifle. I'll take it. Then I found this one guy whose backpack had just a whole bunch of pistols in it. I, I guess that guy was just collecting four or five or six of the same kind of gun. And then inside there, I was like, oh, a cooler. I wonder if there's some food in the cooler. And then in the cooler was a can of soup. So I'm like, <laughs> I guess that's a thing you would put in a cooler. Right? I mean, it's like, I guess it'd be easy. Like if I had five cans of soup and instead of a backpack, I had a cooler, I'd be like, oh, I should put these cans of soup in this cooler to make it easier <laughs> sure. to carry them. And also I'll have a cooler wherever right. I get to. Right. Gotta case. keep your soup cool. Yeah, but it's like what that's not the whole point of it being in a can is so that you don't have to keep it cool. And I was like, is this Riff's car garage? <laughs> it's like he doesn't want like yeah, I don't now that air conditioning isn't a thing. Yeah, that's the thing. You don't want your soup to get as warm as normal person room temperature. So right now that we don't live in a world in this post zombie world where the air conditioners don't work and you can't live in the arctic temperatures that you prefer <laughs> soup that you just leave laying around is not going to be cold enough for you to enjoy <laughs> the can of clam chowder so that's 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 seven days to die that's what that game is about huh cooler full of soup and a purse full of sniper rifles okay um that was the the zombie you know the new deal they wanted to wanted a sniper rifle in every purse and a can of soup in every cooler. And then they were like, Zombie you guys, deal. I think the president has gone fucking crazy. <laughs> I played some Rocksmith, which is cool. If so you, that's like Guitar Hero. It's like Guitar Hero with a real guitar. guitar yeah. Um, you just, you got to buy this cable, which is just a USB to quarter inch audio cable thing and then it's like hey, plug in your guitar and then there's a guy like now we're gonna tune your guitar great cool <laughs> this is just a guy that tells you how to do a lot of stuff with a guitar but then it's got a sort of an interesting system that i wish had existed in rock band or guitar hero where every sort of section of a song has a kind of an experience bar on it so you can you tell it what your you know approximate skill level is, but then it starts out with real basic, like just occasionally playing a note of a particular riff in the song. But as you do that correctly, 
it levels up the riff and then adds more <laughs> notes into it. And then when you do that correctly, it levels up riff even further to the point where he has two hats on at the same time. <laughs> anyway, I don't, I'm not sure that I'm going to mess with it a whole lot, but I was excited enough about it to bring my guitar with me because I also had room in the car. Um, okay. And spend the money on the cable. The songs in it are okay. It's got, it's got some Rob Zombie. I guess that's a, that's a huge sort of factor is like what songs do they license for the game? Yeah. There's a bunch of Nirvana, which I mean, it kind of, like if your goal is to just get better at playing the electric guitar, which it also just like turns it, it like does the effects for you. Oh, right. So you can also cool. just like, oh, what, what would it have been like if Kurt Cobain had just started flipping his shit in the middle of this song and doing this. And then you'd hear it. It's like, oh, oh, that's what it would have sounded like. Now I understand why he didn't do that. Uh, Dark Souls 2, I played like an hour of last night because I was finally in a place with a PC, with a released PC version of Dark Souls 2 and with an Xbox controller. And uh, I know not to bounce off of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At this point, because I know it is good, but uh, boy, did I not. It was so much more frustrating than mm. Dark Souls 1, even really? after my experience with Dark Souls 1. Huh. Like, Gar- Gary just, and Cole, is it just hard? Or? Gary and Cole recommended to me, actually, that I go back and play Dark Souls 1, because they said that Dark Souls 2 is actually harder, and having gotten through that, I will not have nearly as much trouble with Dark Souls 1. Had you not played one? Nope. Oh, I thought you did. I didn't get super far into it. I mean, I got to the first sort of, like, this is the boss that kills most babies, and I never was able to beat it. Hmm. But, like, I don't know, man. I My experience of, like, I it took me for fucking ever to get through the tutorial. Like, it gives you a weapon, and I think because I pre-ordered it, I have I got all these extra weapons that I have no idea if there are any. All these weird, lumpy-looking things. Yeah. Yeah. They're okay. Some of them are pretty respectable. That um, tumor-looking mace is a, is a pretty sweet mace for early game. It's like they're good early game weapons, but once you start to get a few, a few zones in, you're going to find better stuff. Yeah, I mean, they all, they're like C's and D's in all the stats, right? Which that's yeah. not good, right? Right. So you'll eventually find things that will be better, <laughs> I guess. But like, so it gives you your gear and lets you equip it. And then if it, you're standing in a spot where if you hit the wrong button, you just like attack this crone in a chair and then everybody in there is pissed off at you. <laughs> so now there's this woman like beating you with a rolling pin and killing you like the first time I died was from me just like oh, I'm gonna go this direction and then I fell off a cliff that I didn't see and it was like yeah. welcome to Dark Souls yeah welcome to Dark Souls okay yeah. so I was like five seconds in like before I had even been handed a shield I am just <laughs> dead by my own hand I, I love that that the very first uh, achievement or trophy you unlock is the one for dying the first time and it's just called welcome to Dark Souls <laughs> so I, I went I found all the little optional places that you could go, I guess, in there while I was trying like fucking crazy to figure out how to get anywhere because I didn't want to go back inside that house because that lady with the rolling pin was in there and would just kill me every time. But I didn't realize that, like, 
this is a space that is like no space that anyone would ever build anywhere in the world, where the only way to get out of this clearing is through this house. Mm -hmm. Like, we have built a house into a house-shaped gap in this impassable <laughs> cliff. So you have to go in the front door and out the back door of this house. Oh, that closet that looks like it would just be behind a lady. There's a little optional branch that you can go down, and I'm like, huh, big old footprints here. I wonder if this game actually warns you when you're not supposed to go to someplace because something is about to just beat the shit out of you or just gnaw your head off and kill you in two hits <laughs> that you don't seem to be able to do anything about. And like, yep, that's exactly what happened there. Well, that guy will totally ignore you if you don't attack him, though. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, too late. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing that the woman in the cottage would have ignored me if I hadn't attacked her yeah. grandma yeah. or whatever. <laughs> so then the next place that I got stuck was back there by the bonfire because I just didn't see the exit. Mm. I was like, okay, so this is just like, this makes a little more sense that you'd go into this woman's closet. This closet is actually a different part of the woods where there's a bonfire because I guess you don't want that in your house. I guess. But I just didn't see the exit. And so I was like, well, fuck. So I left and poured over all the existing spaces outside again, trying to figure out where the fuck to go to get to the tutorial. Like, this is a new record for me. I couldn't figure out how to start the tutorial. That's awesome. Finally get in there. And it's like, fine. It's like teaching you how to, you know, kill dudes or whatever, I guess. <laughs> like, there's a part where I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to learn from this because it's like, well, you go into this you go into this white mist which I still don't understand what the fuck that mist is or what it means you go through it and then it's not there anymore and you're in a different place. So that's pretty cool I guess. Is it a portal? No. It, it's just some mist that appears on a doorway. I yeah. think it has some impact on the multiplayer aspects of the game. Yeah, that's Which true. are fucking um, bewildering. Yeah. Sometimes there's a ghost of a guy who looks like he's doing a better job of getting around these spaces than I am. Hmm. <laughs> um, but there's a, one of the little tutorial caves or whatever. There's like a hole in the floor that you have to jump down. But I'm not sure if there's like some trick to jumping and not losing a bunch of hit points or I, what the I fuck. Don't, I don't think so. I think I think that particular thing is supposed to teach you about... Like how it, don't fucking jump off of anything well, because it no, sucks. How, how to, uh, well, how, how to be ready for the fact that sometimes you have to jump down a hole and it sucks, <laughs> I guess. But, I mean, I, there's the guy, if you, if you look down the hole and see the guy that's already down there, you, I think you have a chance to, to target him and do like a jumping down attack on him. Oh, do you? I couldn't figure out how to do that. Like I, Dark Souls 1 it's difficult kind of teaches you how to do that on the first boss. You know what else is super fucking difficult to pull off? The part of the tutorial that teaches you how to jump. It, it, so in order to jump, you, you got to be to the holding button. down mm -hmm. the button that makes you dash. Uh -huh. You got to be moving the left stick in the direction that you want to move. And then you have to t click the left stick while you are moving what? with it. Mm -hmm. it. It is fucking crazy. It sounds really awkward, but it, you get used to it. I, uh, I'm i not having... I had some trouble with it at first, yeah. That's how you but, jump. Uh, yep. Yeah. So just and the tutorial that teaches you how to jump, like, oh, if you fuck up, like, you're just gonna have to run, you know, like, 30 seconds to get back here and try it again. <laughs> like... It, I, I mean, it's uh, not man. that far, and there's no, uh, as far as I remember, there's no 
enemies in the way of it are no i guess there are probably a couple there's two there's like two guys that you got to kill but i mean that's fine like you get used to killing the same guys over and over again and that actually makes you better at the things that you need to be good at to play the game but like i also do you have to like unlock the ability to level up at bonfires or is that not how it works anymore uh yeah that's it's um or Yes to the second thing you said. The, instead of being able to level up at any bonfire, you can only level up in in Missoula, and it, it's not a function of the bonfire. It's the, the a function of uh, what's her name, the the green emerald cloak girl. Mm. It, am I am I supposed to be a zombie at this point? Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Because that's just weird hollow or something like that. Right. I mean, it seems to be cutting my maximum hit points in half. half. Yeah. yeah. Would There's, a human effigy help me with that? A, a human effigy will restore your humanity and all of that maximum life bar, but you you may or may not want to. Yeah. To aren't there a limited? Yeah. Aren't there a limited number of yeah, those? Yeah. Just I mean, get this used is... to running around in um, Tower of Flame. Um, You'll find a chest in front of one of the two boss doors that has a ring in it that that cuts that uh, it, it changes it from going down to 50% health to only going down to 75% health. Hmm. So that helps out a, a lot. You know, thinking about it now, I want to go back and play it some more. Like I'm feeling like, oh, man, I'm going to play some more Dark Souls 2 tonight and maybe I will be able to kill those fucking pigs Oh man, I, you probably won't. They are yeah, tough as balls. They those, really are. Those fucking pigs is how I got the uh, the welcome to Dark Souls achievement. I, I wow, managed, you made it through the entire I, tutorial I without dying. I made it dying? through all the way through the tutorial. Well, it took me forever because I was being super careful, knowing that this was a hard game. But yeah, I made it to Missoula and then was exploring this town and and you know lost uh, 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 lost keeping my guard up. And I round this corner and I'm like, oh, piggies. Oh, oh, shit. And in backpedaling away from them, I fell into the giant pit in the ground. <laughs> That's I managed to get one of them to fall into that pit. And then I was like, oh, is that a cool trick? But like, <laughs> nope, it was just some weird pathing that I could not get the other two pigs to do. <laughs> and I don't think I got any souls for them anyway. Pigs don't have souls. <laughs> maybe that's the herd of swine into which some unclean spirits were cast. oh there you go <laughs> um but yeah, yeah. generally for what i found uh like the mindset that i had to impose on myself to keep myself from getting too badly frustrated uh was was firstly to uh to know how many souls it, it will take you to buy your next skill point or stat point. And just as soon as you've got that many, go back and save them. Even if it means you're losing some progress in that level, uh, because, because dying and then not getting back to your blood stain and just losing those souls and effectively flushing that last half hour down the toilet was just so infuriating to me that I would rather spend more time if it meant that I'm not wasting souls. Yeah, but is it not? I mean, that gets kind of problematic, right? Because every time you save, it's like one less opportunity to respawn all the dudes in an area, right? Um, 
It's not or, based on saving. It's it's based on how many times you kill a, kill guys. But yeah. Oh, every, oh, so you're actually better off being careful then. Yes. Because you want to make sure that every you have a limited number of times to kill this one dude. You want to make sure that you spend every soul that you get from him. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And and that's the other thing I really like is no the fact that after 12 or 13 or 15 kills on a guy, he'll stop showing up means that even if a zone is giving you a ton of trouble, if you can kill that first guy, then eventually he'll be gone and you just have to kill the next guy. And so eventually you'll be able to get through a place. And yeah. and if you are having trouble with the boss, then you can just spend some time grinding the guys in front of the boss and clear a path that lets you just run straight from the bonfire to the boss so you get as many chances as you want rather than having to, to fight your way through them every time. Yep. Well, I need to go back to it. I'm I'm afraid that I need to just start over from the beginning because of aggroing those people in that cottage. I don't know if you ever have to go back yeah, there or if that's important. You don't, you don't have to go back there, but back there is where you have to go if you want to use the item that lets you respec. Huh. So if so yeah, so if as long as they're mad at you, you are you are stuck with any level up decisions that you make. What kind of guy did you play? What class did you? I started with the bandit and uh That's had, like dual the dual Yeah, the one? dual wielding guy and uh at at some point uh, it seemed I forget what exactly it was that caused me to make this decision, but I, I eventually started over with just a plain warrior. And, and kind of ironically, because I ended up not using shield at all and started uh, not dual wielding, but two-handing spears instead. So I might as well have gone for the bandit ultimately. But uh, yeah. Just I just did warrior, but warrior. it like... It seems way more so than Dark Souls 1 that when you block with a shield, it staggers you much longer. Yeah, that was that was the problem I had with shields is I could I can take like the first hit, but he's going to do a two hit combo and that second hit is going to knock me flat. So I just decided you know, maybe I should focus on just not getting hit. And, and is that a how to thing that you instead. can stat up to improve? Yes. Um Agility, um, which you get by spending points in adaptability and to a lesser extent attunement. Uh, <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah. Um, agility gives you, um, wh well, two things. It makes the animation for using items like your Estus Flask a little quicker. And it also gives you more invincibility frames in your dodge roll. Huh. And I think uh, uh, the hard cap for it is 120, but you, after you hit like 110, it gets too expensive to, to reasonably get to 120. So like 110 is the feasible maximum. But ideally, if you're going to be doing a lot of dodging, you want between 100 and 110 uh, eventually. I just want to get good at blocking with a shield. So I don't have to fuck around with rolling because I know myself and I know have that no idea where you are rolling is just going to send me off a cliff <laughs> just as often as it sends me out of the way of a blow. 
Yeah, if, I mean, from what I've what I've been reading, uh, both styles are perfectly feasible. I mean, you can you can do a light armored, fast dodging guy like I was doing, or you can do a, a heavily armored, slow tank kind of build, and they're both perfectly valid. Maybe I should go knight. Is I wonder if knight is better at wearing heavy armor and shields than warrior. He doesn't start with a shield, which led me to believe that he wasn't a shield guy. Hmm. You should, you'll, there's a few shields in, in the DLC stuff anyway. So well, sure. That's, I kind of wish that wasn't there. Hmm. Really? Like, because it's a game that is sort of about a, a certain, I don't know, degree of purity of experience. Hmm. That's fair. And I feel like having some, I mean, even if you, you could explain, like, it's not really powerful. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, you get that Drake sword or whatever, mm-hmm. and people will say, that sword's not very good. It's like, I am never going to be good enough at this game to understand why that sword isn't fucking awesome. <laughs> and so, you know, I guess we run into this with KOL, right? Like, having a bunch of currency in KOL makes the game really easy in a way that is not important to serious players but it's a huge deal for casual players and so and and we will say yeah you know it's not really broken they'll say but it feels broken that means it's broken (laughs) yeah so i kind of i kind of wish those those swords were not a thing also i have now it's like okay hey here's five options i'm like oh god i wasn't even sure which of the one starting options i wanted (laughs) it's intimidating at least i like that you don't like lose gear Oh, when you yeah, die. Yeah. Yeah. All you lose is currency. And you can yeah. go get it back if you can make it to your corpse. And the I guess soul, you lose the humanity. souls are the currency. Yeah, the souls are the currency. Also the experience points. Yeah. Uh you buy levels. I mean they're not Yeah. Huh. Yes. Okay. Levels just become gear. There are no builds in this game. There are builds. <laughs> you can respect. <laughs> Hey guys, anything in the news catch your eye? Uh, they went and dug up all those uh, Atari 2600 ET cartridges. Oh, did they? Yeah, in yeah. Alamogordo. That's what I was going to talk about. I'd been well. reading about it. Well, let's just talk about this. Who cares? Anybody? <laughs> no, I don't think anybody fucking cares. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, it's kind of interesting that because a lot of people didn't believe it was actually a thing, that it was just like urban legend. So it's was it? Nice, so it's nice that it's been confirmed as being true, but... There's a bunch of stuff in there, apparently. Like what? Other games, other other stuff that they just wanted to discard. Yeah, manuals and... More garbage. More garbage, yeah. yeah. Okay. D- Atari prototypes uh, from the future that were sent back that they didn't want the, the world to know about. And mm-hmm. so now mm-hmm. we're going to be, be building really impressive uh, four-bit games. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, seriously, is there anything interesting about this story at all? Or they just dug it up and they were there and... Well, so, you know, they were making the documentary, yeah. right? Um, and they found the site that theoretically had everything. And it was sort of that, like, Geraldo, you know, Jimmy Hoffa moment, which is probably a thing that the vast majority of our young listeners won't have any idea what the fuck I'm talking about. I remember um, that. That was disappointing. Well, so that was a, that was a time when they had a live they on live television they broke into a vault thinking, oh, this is totally where Jimmy Hoffa was buried, and there was just nothing in there. And here they were filming, you know, digging up this hole where there could have been nothing there, 
but it turns out, oh, no, actually, there's a bunch of Atari games. <laughs> so, so sort of like the opposite of Geraldo Rivera. Right. Well, but the moment, the moment was the same, right? Like, there's, it's this unknown thing, and you're, you're, you've generated a lot of interest in this. So you're either going to be, you're either going to be a huge disappointment, or you're going to, uh, you're going to find some discarded ET cartridges, <laughs> which, as it turns out, also disappointing. <laughs> I wonder if they'd well, still work. You just have to blow in them real hard. Yeah, Atari games didn't yeah, super have that problem. I feel like if you just... Sometimes you need to kind of wank them in and out of the slot for a little bit mm-hmm. to get them to make contact properly. But Dirt is a good preservative, right? Sure. Well, I mean, vacuum eventually, right? Like, stuff in landfills, I feel like, is fairly well preserved just from being deep enough that it doesn't get a lot of air huh reaching that, it. that's not how i've uh, how i've understood how landfills are supposed to work well organic stuff goes away right but even it, the inorganic stuff gets chewed through by worms and stuff eventually does it that's that's how, what i might i understand like atari worms yes atari <laughs> worms hmm. i think in the desert maybe not as like much a centipede we'll, we'll see like like yeah. an atari centipede <laughs> <laughs> That'd be rad. Um. So this assignment, I didn't have any news. Banner saga. This assignment, the Banner Saga. Banner Saga. Kevin, you guys got to talk about I I got about an hour into it, and it was it was the intersection of two kinds of games that I very much don't like. I really like the way this game looked. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really beautiful. It's very pretty. Um, the music is nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Too many characters. I like the I like the interface. Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of characters, and then you also fucking are swatching, swipping, uh, swipping, swapping back swiffing. and forth between Swiff. a bunch it's of different sets of characters. Story about the invention of the Swiffer. You have to go from town to town swiffing different Vikings. Yep. <laughs> the guys all the guys look a lot alike. They do. They have foreign names that are difficult for my gaijin name, my gaijin mind to yep. comprehend. True. True. Um. Gaijin is what Vikings call white people, right? The, are the the Moger are the like giants with horns? Is that yeah, right? is that you? Well, is anybody one, you in this game? That's the you. yeah. When you start out, you are playing uh, you're playing as a Moger. Are you the old man? Are you the gray bearded yes. guy? Who's you're like, like the, the story historian. Guy? Yeah. Okay, that was what I thought. Yeah, was me, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. It's super confusing. Yes, I mean because you are yeah. you are the party as well, right? You're controlling the whole group. Yeah the caravan but it's weird to be a game where you're a group of people like the thing about you know oregon trail you're a group of people but there's never a point where it's like what flavor ice cream do you like right and then you have a list of flavors of ice cream and you need to like well uh, well and depending on which flavor of ice cream you choose you might just fucking kill half of your party <laughs> which happens right. a lot ah oh, god damn it billy <laughs> i told you to stop ordering dysentery ice cream <laughs> yeah i spent so this game is is not a good mix for my ocd oh, huh. i i went through and played through the beginning part probably four times wow really yeah because i well i was curious to see what different things would happen oh, and what you, different you, choices would yeah would you mean? can fucking you can okay. fuck yourself real bad really what do you making, mean that, but describe the beginning part like how long into it dif- before uh, your choices start making a difference that's noticeable basically all of the conversations have branches that well that's not entirely true there are a couple of conversations that have branches that all converge like um 
the one that I'm thinking of is actually in cha- the second chapter where you're, regardless of what you say, the next response is always basically the same thing. But almost in every case, at least one of the choices has a different possibility, and those can impact who is in your party whether you have more people or less people in your party whether you like some people can just die in those conversation branches and you just can't ever use them again hmm. um you get you, the amount of renown like the currency that you have basically for leveling up and buying goods and stuff like that um can you can vary hugely with the choices that you make from nothing to like plus 20 Wow. which is a pretty significant amount. Like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that can change based on what you decide to do. Um, and so I played through the, that whole section in the town mm-hmm. where you're interacting with the human, um, who's the, the, I guess the prince from down South that you're supposed to take escort, up North, yeah. escort up North. Um, that whole segment I played through like four times just to figure out what was the sort of the optimal way to do things. Yeah. I mean, it seems like you're in for either a future where you don't play any more of this game. I kind of, or- I put the game away because I was like, this is a game that is sort of interesting to me, but I don't just because I'm, I'm curious about the narrative, mm-hmm. but I don't want to play through all of these fights a hundred times Yeah, to get the I, uh- best outcome. I, I was interested in the story and I loved the, the stylings. The combat was okay, but there was something oddly slow and plodding about it that yeah. just kind of bored me. I don't know if just the animations were too slow or... It's could, super, super tactical. Yeah, yeah. It is. I was really bothered and confused by the interface in fights. Like... I know there's a lot of things that you can do, and I understand that there's not a real coherent and simple way to present that, but I found myself constantly hitting escape to try to close menus that were opening themselves so that I could look at the field. Like, you move, and then there will often be, like, just a list of of icons around you that are in the way of the enemy that you need to click you, on. Yeah, you, you end up, I end up clicking and dragging a lot on the battlefield to see different parts of it. Mm. Um, but I mean, it's not that I need to see something that's off the screen. It's that I need to see something that is covered up by the oh, UI. Oh, by your, by your menu. Then, yeah, yeah. Like by, and by a thing that pops up on its own after you move. And I, like, I'm, I'm sure that this is just me not understanding it correctly, but it was like, uh, by that point, already you should have already decided what you're doing. So. I already, well, sure. There, I mean, it must be right. Like, why would you have moved here if you didn't want to do one of these context sensitive things right. that we just popped up for you? And I'm like, well, I don't know what any of these fucking things are. Like, yeah. I can't readily tell which of the guys on the battlefield are on my team and which ones are the enemies. Well, that, that you shouldn't, because they're surrounded by red squares and your guys are surrounded by green squares. I mean, that's, I guess that is a problem for someone who's got a little bit of, mm color is color that, deficiency is that really true yeah, is there is always totally, a yeah. is there always is obvious, a way of looking at, at a glance yeah, no matter it is what obvious state who's, things are in? who's who's on which side huh um so like the combat like turns out choosing where your guys start on the battlefield has a huge impact on how the fight's gonna go like the first couple of times i started a fight i was like i just started the fight i was like why is there this screen like Cause you just, you just hit ready and you're just go. Right. But no, you get to move your people around in the like blue area and decide where they're going to start the fight. Mm-hmm. And that has a huge impact The the, the turn order that you set up based on who's going to go first has a huge impact. 
because you because of the nature of the grid and the fact that some of your dudes are four four like two by two mm-hmm. squares versus one square you can use them to like funnel traffic basically around and you can basically fight one guy at a time if you're careful by using your giant dudes as choke points yeah kind of and using and using distance like pick pick a spot where you cluster up all your guys real close so that they can pick off guys real fast before the other guys even have a chance to get over from the other side of the battlefield like that that's a way to to do things um and i'm sure that eventually there will be things that like are like area of effect stuff maybe like that, that you have to worry about that tactic yeah. yeah exactly um but who knows the, the having archers having ranged units changes things up pretty Mm. heavily which is something that starts happening in the second chapter yeah and then they start then the enemy starts having ranged units and so it's like it's you know they they did a good job of making it you have a bunch of tactical decisions the willpower mechanic is really interesting yeah mm-hmm. being able to like knowing exactly what's going to happen when you perform an action is a thing that i like which is something i actually was going to say like that would be nice if that were true in this game oh is it not i mean you you can yes. tell with like normal attacks like how much damage it's going to do depending yes. on what you hit i guess with like a whirlwind attack or whatever you don't know well there's if you if your strength does not is not higher than their armor you start having a percentage chance of hitting them oh and that's where that's where things get problematic because sometimes you can win or lose a battle based on whether this one hit lands and you have a 50% mm. chance of Boy, hitting I them. don't like that at all. Yeah. yeah. And well, that's, which, that's which incentivizes attacking their armor instead of right. their strength every time, which is an yeah. interesting, uh, that's the, the fact that, that straight, that their, uh, your attack power is also your hit points. Your hit points. Yeah. And, and you can attack their armor directly. That's, that's really interesting. I haven't seen that done before. I found myself, Ignoring the enemy's armor most of the time because if you can, if you can hit their strength, it lowers how much damage they can do even if they've taken down some of your armor. So if you can get the enemy's strength down to four or five, they're all they can do is like one point of damage to you more or less. And so they've become, you've sort of taken them out of the equation, even if you haven't killed them. And unless, unless hitting their armor more than doubles the amount of damage that you're going to do. It can't. It can. It on can the, on the next quadruple turn. the amount of damage. Well, you're if do you, the next if hit. it's very, if you, the damage that you're going to do is really really low, right? Yeah, but exactly. I mean, what I was encountering because well, you're most of like, the time with heavily armored opponents, you're mostly doing one damage that you can maybe pump up with willpower, mm-hmm. right? I mean, what I found because I only did the first couple of fights, right? right? Which is you know probably because I didn't get through the tutorial. Um, did you like, just find the tutorial? <laughs> yeah, where because those fights start out it's like well i can do three damage this guy has six hit points right i can do three damage at which point he will hit me for three yeah and then i will kill him next round okay so that seems like the alternative to that is i can attack his armor whereupon he will hit me for six damage and then i will kill him the next round mm-hmm. that's not a choice and that's not a, that's not actually true it's if he has if he has three health Depend if you have zero armor, he'll do three points of damage to you. But if you have six armor, he's just going to do one point of damage. Oh, regardless of whether he's a six or three. Yes. Okay. Right, because that depends on what your armor is. Okay. I guess I didn't think about that. Yeah. So if it like the it, it, for the people that have not a lot of armor and hit points, 
it's not as big of a question. But then the strategic choices are on the the big. Were they, were they Droger? What I forget what oh, they were yeah, called. The big robot looking dudes. Yeah. Um. They. They often have extremely high attack and armor values, and you have to figure out what you're going to do with them, because you can't really take you can't lower their attack enough usually mm-hmm. to make it safe to for them to be near your guys <laughs> and when they first introduced those guys it 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 straight up had like a little pop-up that yeah said, you were going to need to attack these dudes armor <laughs> right <laughs> so I, I kind of which is i there. still didn't do it all that much like i would i had a couple of guys with really high attack values that would just throw all of their willpower into the an attack mm. and when, still do four or five damage when does them. when does willpower regenerate between each fight, but okay. then the, did, did you get to the point? Okay, yeah. Did that, you get to the point where you have the horn? Clear to me, uh, you can um, also rest. If you rest, if you don't do anything on your turn, you get you get some willpower back. Okay, and the, there's a horn that starts showing up when you start defeating enemies. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like and mechanic. I, I think I saw. I think I saw. I, I quit shortly after that was introduced. Yeah, and I always forgot about it. But every time you defeat an enemy, you get an extra willpower point that you can assign to any of your dudes mm. which w- like would have saved me a bunch of aggravation if i had remembered it yeah it's just when when i was uh like in the early game when willpower is initially introduced and they show you how to use it it was not clear to me whether i should go ahead and use all of these stars in right. in that fight or whether i should be saving them for the next fight and being stingy yeah no you get at, at the beginning of every fight you are full hit points and armor and willpower okay unless your dude is injured which is what happens if you if they get like reduced to zero hit points in the previous fight okay in which case they start off reduced health unless Uh, you rest in between yeah i mean if you play it on easy you don't have to rest right it automatically there's there's something there i don't know about what happens in between battles if you're playing it on the easy i didn't adjust the difficulty ever so yeah the the caravan bits where you're actually traversing from place to place i didn't mess with the with that much like i just always just let it go from location to location without stopping Mm -hmm. if i could um i liked that you could bring up that that nice like hand drawn looking overworld map click on hundreds of different things click on all these little click every name and every region and it would give you like lore about that place that was great it it was a little overwhelming though because i was like is the game gonna go over this whole map like that's that's nuts i I, like i have no idea how big this game is i got Mm. into chapter three i think and was like this is just going to go on and on and on. Um, especially if I'm going to spend a bunch of time trying to optimize it. So <laughs> I just, I just had to, I just had to put it away. Um, I, I kind of want to play the game without the fights and mm. just play through the, just like play the, the visual novel game. version of it. That would be yeah. cool. Yeah. Cause it seems like they're doing interesting stuff with the story. Yeah. You make a bunch of hard choices and people die all the time, which sucks. You can't get attached to any of the characters. Olaf will remember that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what are we doing next? 
I think we're going to play on a recommendation from uh, from some of our forum goers, uh, Tower of Guns, which, as I understand it, is like a 3D bullet hell procedurally generated 3d space yeah it's a procedurally generated 3d first person bullet hell game Hmm. so i think i'm gonna hate it um that's probably true but i'm gonna try yeah we'll just, i think we'll give it a shot. i probably don't have to play it because you guys are gonna be recording while i'm on vacation next week uh, that's oh, yeah. true well fine riff you got off easy Kevin, if somebody wanted to send us a listener's mail for the listener's mail segment that we're about to skip, how would they go about doing that? Well, you don't know, do you? They could tweet us <laughs> at VG Hot Dog. They could email us VGHotDog at gmail.com. Or they could go to our website, VideoGamesHotDog.com, which has a, an easy and useful tool for submitting questions. Or they could log into KingdomOfLoathing.com, go to the community page, click on Podcast Questions, select Video Games Hot Dog from the dropdown, but not if you're on a mobile device, because that drop down would fucking suck. <laughs> even if it's only got three options or yeah, four options. Yeah, even if it only has three options. Cool. Even if all you're trying to do is say, set a timer for 15 minutes from now, hmm. you still have to play a slot machine. Okay. And hope that it comes up 555. Five. <laughs> Gentlemen, I've had a fantastic time recording episode number 150 of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do it again real soon. Yes, indeed. Without riff. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Good night, guys. Have a great week, everybody. See it. But I, 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 I got, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got. I got, I got.